1: Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of 80 Variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for listening, especially if it's your first time listening. You can find all old episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud, and you can read up on them on thereitispod.com. Well, it's hashtag made madness. I put together a comedy duo bracket of 64 comedy duos I released my little bracket I filled mine out and I released it yesterday you can check that out on Facebook or Twitter at there it is pod and you can also fill out your own bracket please do and hashtag it may madness and share share it with us please I love seeing it it's it's fun it's interesting to see all the different uh favorites that people have and then we've gotten a few in so that's cool I also talk about that comedy duo bracket at length with Jason Underwood of the Bearded Ones podcast. And they're going to be releasing that this Sunday. That episode's coming out this Sunday of the Bearded Ones. Great talking to my old friend. Unfortunately, Evan Harris couldn't be there, but Jason and I hashed it out. We talked about the bracket and we talked about uh, the new Han Solo movie. All right. Today's episode is a great one. It's with a very talented actress and performer here in New York City. Her name is Lisa Bettencourt, and she's part of a comedy duo called Pretty Sad White Girls, and they're super talented and great. We talk about that. We talk about life in general and entertainment, and here at the beginning of the episode, or this discussion, uh, she and I are talking about self-submitting for acting gigs and like auditioning, and uh, it's a little chat about that and the professionalism that goes into it. So let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Lisa Betancourt. Is that though, something that the industry is expecting of people now to, to use ring lights and things like that?
0: You know, I, I think so. I think, mm. uh, the industry is expecting a nice backdrop, like a neutral color, color, maybe a blue, mm-hmm. uh, definitely good lighting. That's always in the description. Must have good lighting. Oh, wow. Um, and like, and like Clear sound, can't have any background noise, uh, which for like, I mean, that changed, I think, in the past five years, don't you think?
1: Yeah. Have I mean, you ever- 10 years ago, I wasn't having to do that.
0: Right. It was like, oh, self tape, what? I mean, I don't even know if that was a thing 10 years ago. I think people just went in for auditions. But now you kind of have to have this setup. And I have a few friends who have made a business out of it, who like have a, a miniature setup and charge 40 bucks for an hour or two, or I don't know, more than that. 60 bucks for an hour to self-tape for people
1: so that's insane like you have to have a big production crew now just to try to get cast in something and if you can put all that together why don't you just make your own thing
0: i know like you with the mic in the box (laughs) (laughs) i know it's expensive everyone should just do a if they're trying to be an actor they should start a kickstarter and just be like fund my potential acting career don't know if it'll take off but uh
1: i know it's it's crazy i I have friends in music and i was talking with one of them earlier his band is about to release a single and they're on a label but he and i started to mention just people who are self-releasing now and how much easier it can be for people self-releasing but like if the industry comes to well, everyone's self releasing, so now you have to do it as professional as studios or labels were doing it, then it's gonna be hard to maintain. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean I think chance correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Chance the Rapper really changed all that for everyone. He like, did, he, and,
1: uh, I don't know if anyone's giving Macklemore credit, but he Oh did Macklemore. two. Too? I think uh, that, he was unsigned.
0: That I did not know. Um and it is it is changing game for everyone in, in a hopeful way. Like we don't mm-hmm. need record label to rise to fame or whatever reach a broad audience however it does mean you do have to get the top of the notch equipment you have to look as professional as possible on the internet you know um you can't just put up covers that are grainy and pixelated and don't sound good i mean you could you could and people still get views Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think you're taking us seriously unless the quality is good.
1: Right. Um, but one thing I've noticed is getting a little frustrating for me is that the quality is in the production value, but not in the content or the work itself. Like the art's kind of yeah. okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, specifically in musical comedy, too, sometimes I see viral videos and I'm like, wow, that was brilliantly executed i mm-hmm. mean it looks great and they, you know you've got the lights and the money to like there's definitely money involved in this video uh but the content itself i usually find like okay that was like a that was a waste of my four minutes you know <laughs> like, yeah was, you know it was, it was cute but it was a huge spectacle for something that was essentially mediocre um mm-hmm. i i will agree with you i think that You can look dope online, but still have terrible content. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: like you're doing well too. But it's just kind of like, why is there, it's so jarring to me, this discrepancy of the level of quality that it's being presented, but the lack of quality in the work itself.
0: Yeah. You know, and I get a little discouraged about it because there is so much content. There's so much content on the internet. So for me, sometimes I feel like it's harder to find. People who are actually doing good things, or as yeah. a creator, sometimes I'm like I should just give up because the things that are going viral are like <laughs> I don't know, just content I wouldn't be inspired by. Right. Um, again, everything is subjective. Maybe other people find that inspiring, and I don't. But to my initial point, there's just so much being created and put in and out on the internet that I feel like a lot of it can just get lost and in, oh, in space.
1: Yes. So lost. Uh,
0: so lost, but you know we do know that the ones that are found are really good quality
1: right right yeah and i think the reason sometimes we don't see the instagram comedians make it so to speak i mean like they might have millions of followers they're doing great on instagram and and making it they've found a way to monetize it so good for them But you don't see them in movies or TV shows. And I do think that's because the people in Hollywood are still saying, yeah, but you're not talent. Like, you can't act. And you can't really... (laughs) Yeah. So we're not going to cast you. So I guess, like, the people who are following them are either bots or uh, kids who just are like, you know, they're just scrolling. So it's (laughs) fine for them in that setting. But they're not going to go plunk down money to see them in a theater.
0: I mean, I think this is where generationally it's changing because mm-hmm. if you ask a lot of kids younger what they want to be when they grow up apparently the common answer is a youtube star Ooh. so i know which to me is like a shot through the heart it's so sad yeah. <laughs> kids used to want to be doctors or dentists or make a change <laughs> in the world but now they want to be youtube stars like that's the be all end all. Right. um but i mean not to say that youtube stars aren't doing amazing things yeah, there, there are, are some, some
1: that really are good
0: yeah but that platform is different Than say a blockbuster movie, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) like those actors are different than the actors on YouTube. Um, And say for like Vine or even Instagram stars or even Twitter, um, Twitter and uh, Snapchat, all the platforms have like stars, so to speak.
1: Some of what's weird about saying I want to be a YouTube star when I grow up is you can be a you can be social media successful and not really making any money. If you were, if you say I want to be a movie star when I grow up. At least you're making money. There's nobody who's in a major motion picture that didn't get a paycheck.
0: That's true. <laughs>
1: it's, I hope I they are listening <laughs> to like some wise yeah. people who are saying, "No, you need a job. <laughs> yeah.
0: Get out there." Well, I don't know. I also think there's a lot of money floating around on online where people are donating to things that they like.
1: What yeah, is that? Web- Patreon's. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes where uh there's a ted talk i can't remember this is worthless for me to bring up but i can't remember what it was called or who the guy was but he essentially talks about how he is a full-time creator and he is uh he is so because of the support he gets from the people online Mm -hmm. he literally he asks people for money he's like i'm a creator this is what i do i can only continue to do it if you donate and uh That, to me, is like, okay, man, you're, like, in your house all day making stuff. You're not out
1: in the world, though. I don't know. There's someone that I follow who is, um, I mean, she's at least getting out. She's not just in her house all day. But she is insanely busy. And um, she, I think, is getting a good chunk of change from getting, like, the fans to donate some money. You know, like, getting with the Patreon or something like that. So. It is something that I guess, um, like, that's how you can do well if you're an artist. And that's a good thing. Um yeah, I guess yeah. what you don't want, like, what will if we're not already seeing it, is we'll have some people who are charlatans, you know, who are, they're yeah. spending more time asking for money and getting money through the ask than they are making any content.
0: Right, right. Right, um, I personally have a little bit of a complex asking people for money. Like it makes my soul die. Uh, yeah. Then there are people who are very good at asking for money, like you said.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I'm uh, not good at it, but I, you know, I mention it on the podcast. I'm just like, hey, you know, we got that. But I, I don't do it every episode. Like the people right. who are good at it would.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean. Maybe if you did, you'd you'd have a real mic box and.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and I would have uh, a, a wider reach and blah blah. blah. Um, we're talking about the industry, but let's talk about your part in the industry. But before that, I don't know much about what you were doing before what I know you for now. So uh, give me yeah. some highlights, the the highlight okay. reel before we get to uh, Pretty Sad White Girls.
0: Cool. Okay. Um, so I moved to New York in 2012, uh, okay. and I, I was here as a dancer and a yoga instructor. So my, mm-hmm. my thing was like teaching yoga. Uh, I was in a couple of dance gigs, but not too much. I wasn't really actively pursuing it because I fell into this this – spiral of teaching yoga which was great i loved teaching yoga um and then i got involved in the pit i started taking classes at the people's improv theater and discovered that teaching yoga and doing comedy were two parts of my brain that i just like couldn't marry i couldn't i couldn't live in this like zen space of yoga and also this highly witty like sharp comedy brain. Um, I know that sounds weird. And a lot of people like question me about that, but it's just, I wanted to quit yoga in that moment to pursue comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, so I did some improv classes here and there. Um, and along the way, so I did the struggling actress thing and I was this company called mustard lane, which is a staffing agency. You know, those girls who fly around the street and they're like, take my flyer oh, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. In you're, you just die inside. <laughs> uh, I did that with uh, Jill, who is now my bandmate. Mm-hmm. Um, so the company has an annual holiday party talent show that we entered. We thought it would be funny to do a- an acoustic version of Pony by Genuine. And <laughs> at that point, like, I didn't know how to play the guitar. I only knew four chords. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I guess this is easy enough. I can figure it out. Played those four chords. We did a cover. And people really liked it. Um wow which was weird. (laughs) We ended up the talent show. Uh, We got $200. I got my license renewed. Jill went grocery shopping. (laughs) And yeah, and then from there, people just kept asking us to do shows. So um, at first I was like, no, I I only know four chords, and I don't know any other songs. Uh, But then literally I went to the University of YouTube, (laughs) and I taught myself how to play the guitar. Um, I discovered I really liked composing an arranging music I liked arranging covers um I really liked arranging R&B and rap songs into beautiful acoustic covers because I really liked the harmonies that Jill and I were creating together
1: is there video Um, of that particular performance around or at least a recording of you two (laughs) singing that
0: yeah there is yeah, I can send it to you. I think it's private on YouTube right now, but I okay. can
1: send it. Okay, <laughs> I really want to hear that. It's just like ever since you mentioned it, the song's just been running in my head, and I'm like, I've got to hear her sing
0: this. Got it? Yeah, I'm like, I'm sitting down in a chair. That's how nervous I was to play the guitar. I was like, I need a chair. I can't stand and play this. Um, but yeah, it's, it's awkward. I'll send it to you gladly. <laughs> um, yeah, and then from there, we we played at the Bowery Electric oh. uh, on on their smaller stage mm-hmm. we did i we were able to bang out just four songs we we're like hi we're pretty sad white girls we're only gonna play four songs i know we have a 45 minute set but <laughs> this is all we have um and then and from you there that
1: name that early
0: yeah we we wanted to call ourselves something for the holiday party talent show for mm-hmm. for the performance mm-hmm. um and it literally just came out of us and we were like, is this offensive? Is this going to offend anyone? <laughs> and we were like, I don't know if we care. So this is just <laughs> our company. Um, and then it just kind of, it kind of took off from there. Mm-hmm. One night we played at the Parkside lounge and we met this amazing comedian, PD mm-hmm. Um he, He's incredible. He's great. He's so funny. He got up there and was hosting the open mic night. It was our first open mic and he was hosting and just killing it. And at the end, he was like, "You guys are really funny." And we were like, "What? <laughs> we don't know how to do this. We're just playing covers. I barely play the guitar." And he was like, "Yeah, like I want to put you on some shows." Oh, nice. um, and so it just it just snowballed from there to where people would ask us to do shows and so the pressure was on i continued to learn the guitars from youtube um and then i just discovered i really loved playing the guitar and really loved composing and um yeah six months after we did the covers we started writing original music and how long have
1: you been singing My that first point
0: singing i was like a, a theater kid
1: mm-hmm. so
0: i've pretty much been singing since i was young since i was little and jill is a theater kid also she's I think she started a little bit later though, maybe in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, she went to Ball State um, as a musical theater performer. And I went to University of Massachusetts, nothing related to performance. My parents were like, you need a plan B. Um, But yeah, and then we literally just kind of fell into this and discovered it's something we really love. And who knew that we were funny? I don't know. <laughs> we are completely opposite people, but it tends to work on stage, I guess.
1: So were you trying to be funny then? Because you seemed surprised that you were fun. <laughs> you were received that way.
0: It's, I mean, like there was always a comedic element to it, and oh. I always like I love hamming it up on stage. Maybe a little too much. My face is <laughs> out of control. If you ever see me perform, I'm like. Mwah! Or talk um,
1: to you off stage. Or talk. You're pretty expressive.
0: We're just talking to me in general. Yeah, my face is insane. (laughs) For all you people listening, too bad for you, you can't see what my face is doing, but it's crazy. (laughs) Um, No, it's, uh, it was always something I like, obviously, we get an adrenaline rush when we make Mm -hmm. people laugh. It's Always what I've ever wanted to do is make people laugh so that for me was a thing I don't know about for chill <laughs> I think I don't think at first she really thought it was gonna turn as comedic as it did mm-hmm. and then I kind of suggested I was like I wrote this song let's see if it's funny let's start performing our original stuff mm-hmm. and then oh that was so scary yeah original originals are like oh it's so vulnerable because you don't know if it's gonna be good and if it's not that sucks
1: <laughs> yeah um, uh, yeah well, it's really And how long had you known her, Jill? Jill,
0: uh, I would say about three years. But we, yeah, I did a 90s show with her at the Duplex, Mm -hmm. maybe a year prior to us forming Pretty Sad White Girls. So Mm -hmm. we started musically collaborating with some other folks a year before Pretty Sad White Girls. Um, And yeah, I mean, it was, she's all things 90s. She loves the 90s. So we were... We were just like having a blast assembling 90 songs. And then we just, I don't know, we wanted to do something for the most Orléans holiday party. And this just happened. Oh, that's
1: <laughs> fun. Have to ask the most common question is it pretty and sad white girls, or is it pretty sad white girls? <laughs>
0: uh it's pretty it's pretty sad white girls (laughs) does that answer it
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's just whatever people uh take it as
0: yeah it's a a common question um but we it's pretty sad pretty white pretty sad white girls it's whatever you want to make of it Uh, yeah we don't really have an answer it's whatever you interpret it's like it's like that movie mother what the fuck was that you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) or it's this is america because a lot of people are interpreting that a million different ways
0: oh yeah (laughs) people love to twist
1: things yeah and like somebody some other people were saying you know i don't know why we have to read into it so much it was all pretty blatant there is you know death was on a pale horse (laughs) while chaos (laughs) ensued like that there's not a deeper meaning. <laughs> I know that is the meaning.
0: It's so crazy. We all just want to like have the first original idea of what something means.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. They want to have the, I want to have the best take, and I have it now.
0: Best and most innovative idea. But yeah, I think it was pretty self-explanatory. I mean, I got it the second <laughs> I watched it, and I was like, "This is yeah, incredible."
1: There's certainly some layers to it. I'm, I'm not trying to like act like it's all uh, just on the surface, but. Yeah. At the same time, you know, uh, there were some things, it, it does seem like there are a couple things people just read in a little too much. Like I was looking at the Genius.com stuff for it and uh, there was like, I guess the main interpretation was like pretty straightforward. And it was like, oh, okay, it was a deep thought. And then someone would add <laughs> to it, it was like, Also, it's maybe this. And it's like, that doesn't make as much sense (laughs) as what the other person said. But all right.
0: Swing and a miss, but uh, it's (laughs) out there now. (laughs) Um,
1: So you've been doing uh, Pretty Sand White Girls for a little while now.
0: We've been doing it for two and two years. Two years. Two and a half years, maybe.
1: Yeah, and you're you're making yourselves known. Because before I met you, I had heard of Pretty Sand White Girls.
0: Really,
1: Um, And I don't remember the context of it now, because I think by the time I met you, I'd heard or seen the name enough times where it just was like familiar to me.
0: Oh, that's so cool.
1: Yeah. And and so I can't even like go back and just like think what all, all it was, because when our mutual friend Robin...
0: Oh, right. shout out to Robin McNamara. Yeah. Oh,
1: hello, Robin.
0: He's uh, <laughs> me right now being like, are you guys talking about me? Yes, yeah. we are. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, I don't know if you literally got that text, but she would do that. <laughs> we love Robin. You really we love her.
0: <laughs> I remember meeting her. I remember being like a little bit jaded in college like I was like, "Why am I here?" <laughs> I just want to be out in the world performing. But I remember meeting Robin. I think I was a junior and she was a freshman or maybe I was a senior and she was a sophomore. I don't know. It was one of those. But we were chatting in the Massachusetts sunshine on a curb <laughs> and we're just like talking about life. One of my favorite things to do is talk about life with anybody. Like
1: I am right there with you.
0: man put me on a curb (laughs) in the middle of the highway whatever put me like in floating in the middle of a river as long as we're talking about life I'm happy it's it's one of my favorite things to just digress about and so we were chatting and she's also just so delightful to talk to right um, yeah that she is gonna be a friend forever and if this makes the edit she will be very happy
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh I know yeah We'll take out the really kind words and.
0: No, she she is. uh,
1: uh, So she's a mutual friend, and I when I met you uh, at her uh, little get together that she had, and uh, she had mentioned to me that you're in Pretty Sad White Girls. I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Keep like seeing that name or hearing it.
0: That's so So, cool. Yeah, you know it's it's crazy how in a bubble I am with this Mm -hmm. because I feel like I work so hard at it. And Jill does too. We both Mm -hmm. work really hard at trying to do this, whatever it is. And I think musical comedy is really niche and really lonely, Mm -hmm. um, really kind of tough to do. And I can see how people would like, Create a funny song or two or three, and then be like, I'm tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel very challenged by it, and I like that. But I am in my own bubble of like, is this good? Do people like this? I still don't know. Um, but the fact that people are talking about it and and booking us is like an honor and really cool because yeah. we love doing it and we love performing for everyone. But yeah, it's weird. It's weird to hear that you had heard of us because in my mind, I'm still like, mm this is like a newborn thing and it's Yeah, still a- I
1: mean, it's that's one of the tough things I think about the entertainment industry in general is just being mentally prepared in yeah, some form what- or fashion with just what can happen because you don't know what can happen. Right. Um, and when some stuff does happen it's very hard to be on the same page. You know, if someone gets hugely successful if that's what they wanted, they still might get surprised by it. And if it's not what they wanted, then they there are parts of it that they're really going to hate. And then there is no rule book or way to really know how we are supposed to behave as we start getting some sort of attention. As like if yeah. if things start to build, even if it's gradual you know, we don't really know, we don't have any sort of point of reference for that. It's just kind of like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen next, though.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that's a really smart statement, because becoming and especially now the way the internet is and technology, you could Mm -hmm. become famous overnight. And right, are you mentally prepared for something like that? Um, I think I've, I've been thinking about that a little too much to where it's zapped the joy out of out of pretty, of what we're doing, mm-hmm. we've had a we've had a stressful three weeks just with traveling and and new songs and new shows, and it's been amazing. But you know, part of my brain is like, why are you doing this? We're <laughs> yeah. you, not even really getting paid, and and uh, you know, like, is it for the fame? Do I want to become famous? Like, obviously, yes. I would. I mean, not fame, but I want people to
1: the success that comes with the, it
0: the art form that is musical comedy and how how it can be done. and yeah. But I think that I've had to remove myself from any trace of like, what if we become famous? Because if I start thinking about that, then I enjoy it less.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If I just focus on like creating fun songs with my good friend uh, that sound beautiful, then like that's all I need. The rest
1: <laughs> can just be icing on the cake or something that's yeah. disregarded if you don't like it. You know, I mean, that is sort of the thing like, I guess to keep with the food analogy of like the icing on the cake or the fat on the steak that you cut and put to the side if it's bad for you, you know, like that we all have to sort of think about, or it's like, you know, oh, I don't really like peas, so I won't eat those. I'll eat around, you know, like I don't, I'll (laughs) I'll pick these mushrooms off of the, (laughs) off because I don't like mushrooms, you know, like whatever. Yeah. You don't want of it, you, you discard, but the the stuff that. yeah. but what you do for- need or want you keep that stuff in and like yeah. and, and just enjoy the like added bonus stuff like the cheese or whatever
0: oh hell yeah oh cheese is so good yeah oh. or like the little croutons <laughs> <laughs> the crunchy crunch on top yes
1: no, yeah. it's tough I mean um, because let's say you, you know someone is doing well in the entertainment industry or in in art and they're doing well enough that they don't have to worry about bills or saving up or anything like that. So that's kind of like off to the side and they feel they have security there, but there's still just what else can happen. You know, there is still the artistic process of creating things and people aren't really prepared always for things uh, not coming as fast as they need them to or want them to, or, how they might feel when they are five to 10 years in and they're like, huh, this isn't as exciting as it used to be. Is that just because it's 10 years in or is it because this wasn't the right move for me? (laughs) You know, like there are all these different things to sort of consider and think about.
0: Yeah, I mean, 10 years in, you gotta, (laughs) you better make a choice by five, you know? (laughs) Like, oh God. And it's not years wasted. I think people evolve, Mm -hmm. the art itself, evolves um and you just kind of have to be okay with change no matter what and it's like a life lesson (laughs) it's like a general life lesson that is really hard for people to grasp but if you if you just like accept that you have to let go and just enjoy the ride oh my god i sound like such a hippie but that's how but it really is what it is yeah and with with art with acting with uh music with any anything with hedge fund stuff, <laughs> whatever hedge fund people do <laughs> in the world, uh, all of that, you have to find some semblance of like, just surrender. Um, and I think that I'm definitely playing around with that right now.
1: <laughs> and it's, you know, it's good to think about. I mean, there's really 1% of people who I think can emotionally and mentally just handle being becoming hugely famous right like there's some people who gracefully got hugely famous and they they didn't seem phased they still seem grounded some for whatever reason and maybe it's because you know they they maybe got super famous in their late 30s but in some cases they were just right for there's a good match but some people hate that fame you know like I was just hearing about When R.E.M. got to be big pop stars, you know, they were like a little alternative rock band that was out of Georgia, you know, and had done a few (laughs) albums and they had they had success, but they weren't like so super famous. And then they had a huge album and then it was okay, you know, now you're big, big stars and that changes things. And some people don't like that. Some people hate that extra pressure of yeah. the expectations of, uh, because that's, that's what changes with that kind of fame is the expectations.
0: Yeah. And it's like all eyes on you at all mm-hmm. times, you know, yeah. especially when you reach that level, you become more of like a public figure mm-hmm. or an icon. Like people look up to you. I think that's a lot of pressure too. If people are looking up to you, mm-hmm. uh, I had, we had a moment, we had a show at the bitter end and, I was, we had finished the show and I felt okay about it. I wasn't like skipping out of the bed around like, I just killed that. But, (laughs) uh, you know, like we felt okay about it anyway. There was a a father and his two daughters that came from Rhode Island and Mm -hmm. he was like, I saw them while I was waiting in line for the bathroom or him. And he was like, yeah, you know, my daughters came to see you. They're 14 and 16 and i was like oh my god i he was like yeah they're they're over there um you should say hi to them oh, wow. and i i didn't know what to do i kind of freaked out because i was like if these girls saw us on youtube and came that i am honored and humbled and i don't know i really don't know how to handle that yet yeah it's I'll
1: overwhelming
0: start writing for that age group
1: like mm-hmm. are those
0: are those the girls that are listening to the music like <laughs> if so we we'll might need to i don't know I don't know if I'd even want to change anything, but just be aware of that and, and know that it's not just for us anymore. It's becoming for, it's becoming sure out
1: there now. Yeah. (laughs) I heard someone who was talking about how they went from, you know, just sort of, they were doing well in their career to going to having some like famous, some sort of fame Mm. uh, and how that changed for them. And they started recognizing how much they sort of, in a in a in almost lustful way enjoyed that that those added bonuses of fame, and it kind of checked them and made them realize they need to step back because, that's not a good thing to want and enjoy so much. And sometimes, yeah. you know, like the the people who are like, oh yeah yeah of course they respect me and are looking up to me those are weirdos (laughs) you shouldn't shouldn't expect people to look up to you just because you're doing something you know and then like the other side of the spectrum are the people who are like people are looking up to me and it just totally overwhelms them and freaks them out because they're just like all I did was make something just like anybody else and just I had no control over the reaction
0: yeah totally oh man I know and I don't know if you've ever have you ever had a celebrity encounter where you approach someone and you were like, "Hey, man, or hey <laughs> lady, I really enjoyed your work did you have you ever had a moment like that?
1: Oh, yeah, a couple of times I got to tell people, and i I was purposely totally chill and respectful when I spoke to them, but uh-huh. one was Bill Murray, and he was super cool about it because he's been dealing with it for forty years or whatever nice, Bill
0: Murray. He, like, right. gets it all the time every-
1: the other time it was Amy Sedaris. And I still was just like trying to be calm and chill. And it was at a TJ and Dave show and she was sitting right in front of me. So I was just like, oh, hey, I I really love your work. And I got a postcard from you once. And uh, it was just like, you know, thanks. And thanks for your work. And I was just trying to really chill. And she was very personable and nice and and relaxed. Uh, But at the same time, I could sort of tell that those sort of interactions are maybe not her favorite thing in the world.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> like she was by no means rude and she by no means tried to put the proverbial stiff arm up to keep me at a distance. She didn't do anything like that. But you could just sort of tell that she was sort of like, "Huh? Why is someone talking to me?" <laughs>
0: right. Oh, I love her. She's, She's one of those great. Little, Yeah, and her her fame isn't so overwhelming, you know, like she has some great characters and great Mm -hmm. and she's very well people know her name Mm -hmm. um but like not on like a michael jackson level by any means
1: yeah she's not jennifer aniston walking around she
0: she (laughs) she probably
1: goes to the grocery store or goes to tj and dave shows and doesn't get bothered
0: right she runs her errands Mm um you know who i encountered once at the u.s open i was working at the Lavazza coffee stand Mm -hmm. that hashtag actors life uh (laughs) i encountered aziz ansari Mm-hmm. And this was before all the story came out with him being like, you know, sexually weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I was okay. I was not chill. I was not cool. <laughs> <laughs> I basically ran up to him. He was in like a chocolate suit with some, some white shoes, and I was like, hey, are you a season? sorry, And then I whispered, a season, sorry. <laughs> oh my God.
1: Like, like he was hard to recognize. Too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah, and I was like oh, man, cool. Um, well, I'd love to make you some coffee. I'm working at the Lavazza stand. Like, what do you want? I'll make you a coffee. And he was like, no. And then he pretty much walked away, but it was the most uncomfortable. Yeah. But again, I was the most overwhelming person that could have <laughs> prob- possibly ever approached him. So I get it. I would have done the same thing. I would have run away from me.
1: <laughs> I saw Michael Stipe walking down the street one day. And like, honestly, I respect R.E.M., but I don't, Listen, I'm not like a huge fan. Uh <laughs> I listen to uh Are You Talking REM Re Me because I like Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman. You know, like I don't listen to REM for any other reason. But uh or that pot that podcast for any other reason. But um I saw Michael Stipe, I recognized him and so I automatically wouldn't run up and be like, Oh my gosh, you're so great, <laughs> you know, but um, I just we made eye contact, and I just sort of like gave him a little head nod, and then went back to my business.
0: Wow, like that when you just did—that was very chill.
1: It was very—I like—I very really chill. try to make it an art form. <laughs>
0: like the chin goes up an inch, maybe mm-hmm. if that.
1: yeah, yeah. And oh yeah, yeah, and <laughs> um, he even he just, that though it didn't seem to bother him, but he seemed surprised, like wait, did that guy just recognize me? Uh, yeah, and so I mean, he's he's
0: that. All you need is like a subtle look, really mm-hmm. to be like, "Hey, I see you, I acknowledge you right um, and I feel like that's enough, you
1: know yeah it's just like uh, all the only thing I want to give off is I respect you, I respect your work, and I, I like your work and I think you're neat or whatever, you know what I mean like, um, I would want to tell a couple people like, "Hey, thank you for your work because it's been there for me at tough times." And that means something yeah. to me, but I still, I don't want to like do that with tears in my eyes. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. You know, that, that would be like, Whoa, okay. Guy. At
0: the evening end. it's a little bit like, Whoa, I'm having lunch and this person's crying, you know? Right. I, um,
1: yeah. No, I saw a video of someone doing that to Lynn manuel Miranda. Like she walked up really? and she was, she was recording already. Oh. And, uh, she was just like, Oh my God. Oh my, like crying and he was so chill and very yeah. sweet to her yeah and i was like he's also don't do that
0: human. i know he's he's a lovely human to where he would embrace that you mm-hmm. know but he was
1: so nice to her it was like he was like i don't know how somebody can absorb that he's one of that one percent i'm talking about of when people do that And you still can be calm and chill and not get an ego about it. Because there's so many people, like all these celebrities who have egos, it's because when someone came up to them like that, they loved it. Yeah. And he's the opposite. He is, well, not the opposite, because he's he's the opposite in a mean, nice sort of way. He's like... So humble. Right. Yeah. Right. He he seems... I don't know how a person can absorb someone walking up to them with tears in their eyes. Now, granted, when I told... When I met... Bill Murray I did say like hey I'm doing a, a comedy show tonight and I just wanted to come over and shake your hand and tell you you're the reason I got into the entertainment business and <gasps> uh, I said it like that and he laughed and looked at his buddy and said at least he didn't say I'm the reason he went to the army ah! of his movie Stripes so I was like we all laughed because that's a hilarious thing and it's like Bill Murray saying something funny <laughs> in, a, in an instant so oh it's was like this is perfect but We're um, change. right but it's like you know, he handled that. He didn't go like, uh, someone else who thinks, you know, who's like saying I'm the reason they wanted to be an actor. You know, like he was just sort of chill about it. But if I had come up to him with, like, oh my God, I can't believe you don't understand what you've meant to me as a human, then he would be weirded out and justifiably yeah. Yeah. so. <laughs> Absolutely. I just, I, you, it's hard to be the person to absorb that kind of. Yeah. from somebody think
0: for Lin-Manuel and and also Bill Murray two people who get that probably daily mm-hmm. have learned to engage in any sort of situation with anybody like yeah. I, I I'm curious to know the stories of like what's the craziest encounter they've ever had with a fan um, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. So fun. but yeah you you just kind of I think after a while of getting that you your practice is good and you can handle it with grace and
1: and with it's tough though, Yeah. I mean and when you get to like <laughs> Michael Jackson level of fame or if you know when we're talking about that sort of fame I don't think like who has handled that with grace, you know? Like I feel like I mean I guess I guess there are a couple but um Michael you know,
0: Jackson I, fame is like that is a whole other whole
1: other thing. But like it made fans- all of them crazy.
0: Right, because him,
1: Elvis Presley, oh. they both like you know not normal people. Because yeah. Because of what Because how else would you like if people walk up and they just fall on the ground screaming because they saw you? Like I mean, how, that can't be good.
0: Growing up with you don't even really have a childhood. You don't know what it means yeah. to grow into yourself. Mm-hmm. So this is all you've ever known. People screaming at your feet like that has. And Michael Jackson is a perfect example of how that can affect someone
1: mentally, right? Like Yeah, yeah. And and you know, that's why I've not been so hard on Justin Bieber because he was a little kid practically when he blew up. And then yeah. he, and then Justin Timberlake and Usher are like you know, like battling to get him signed on their label respective labels. Yeah. And when you're like fifteen or something like that and that's happening, ooh that ego is going to go way up because that yeah. is, how could a 15 year old handle that with grace in class?
0: No, especially when everyone's like, get him whatever he wants, give him a fruit plate, give him mm-hmm. set the at 68 degrees, you know, and everything you could possibly want <laughs> is handed to you. Your ego is going to fly through the roof and you're going to think that yeah. you're a superman. I mean, Kanye, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I don't your- even like, there's also Kanye to me also falls into the category of, of, Sort of playing the game by his own terms, but the game is still has its own set of rules. And, yeah, because he's trying to like use it in his own way and and control it. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you can't control what other people think.
0: Right. You know, so, you
1: can. He's he's messing with the circumstances. You know, like he's trying to mold that with you know, but you can't you can't mold how they're going to respond to you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, he's got he's got himself in one big pickle.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess the question would be, uh, what's next for you? But it, like, what we're all discussing here is, it's just plucking right along. It's just continuing forward and just seeing what yeah. happens.
0: Yeah, we have some shows lined up through the summer, which is really fun. That's great. Um, That's we have a couple music videos we're going to be releasing in june uh and then another show at the bitter end in july and hopefully that will and we're also releasing a live album which is entitled we're better live <laughs> because it's so weird to record musical comedy in the studio at least i think i really like our live stuff so we're going to be doing a live album uh called we're better live That's awesome. and yeah, and aside from that, we're just going to try to hit the comedy circuit and uh, the comedy festival circuit and see if we can get in front of more audiences and mm-hmm. uh, keep writing songs. But yeah, for now, it's like we just got back from the Women in Comedy Festival. We just did some shows in L.A. Um, we had a wonderful fundraiser last night for the Crime Victim Treatment Center. and um, But yeah, it's just been really great to perform at all these different venues and from all these different audiences. And I hope we get to do more in the future, but right now it's, right now it's just kind of like an upward trajectory. Um, and I'm really excited to see where it goes, but we don't know, could be a musical theater thing, could be a solely a comedy thing. We also entered the fringe festival. So oh, awesome. we're waiting to from that. Um, And I, I literally, I wrote the script. This is crazy. I wrote the script the night before the deadline and I plucked in our songs. I was like, this is a comedy concert. (laughs) I kind of just created a fake narrative that has never existed before. (laughs) So if we can accept it in the Fringe festival, that would be a miracle, Mm -hmm. but, um, it would also be kind of, it would be great. It would be kind of cool to see how pretty side white girls lives in a, in a narrative platform. Um, but that is the foreseeable future for us and continuing to write songs and putting ourselves out there.
1: I know the a great festival in South Carolina called the New South Comedy Fest that, um, yeah. you know, if you want
0: nice.
1: yeah. to go to lovely Greenville, South Carolina.
0: I have never been to Greenville, but I hear it's beautiful. It is. Are you, are you from Greenville?
1: Not originally, but that's where I was living for about 12 years before moving here. Really yeah, sorry. I love it there. New They're York. coming out
0: <laughs> you hear? They're coming after me. Hello. Uh, yeah. Um
1: Yeah, that's the thing when I, I get, whenever I interviewed someone from New York or when I moved here, that's just what's in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I know,
0: it's just sirens.
1: <laughs> Can't do anything about it. Um it's
0: like bedtime song. <laughs> <It sucks.
1: laughs> Yeah, I mean people. that's that that would be a great festival for you to get down to. I'm always trying to like uh, tell them about talented people I meet here, so I can uh, you know I'll mention it to them for sure. And I, some of them are listening.
0: Jason, I had no idea that you were such a comedy fan. I mean, I knew you had this oh, podcast, God, I but I, I didn't know that this was like a like a serious endeavor for you. <laughs> like well, the comedy.
1: I love the art form of it, and I mean, I guess I got into it just because I love comedy just from the beginning I mean again Bill Murray was the thing that made me want to even go into it at all anyway but uh, then in the 90s there was like Larry Sanders show and Seinfeld so I think I just started going more in that nerdy trajectory of wanting to uh, (laughs) do it differently and think about it intently I'm always taking notes and improv classes (laughs) even though no one else is
0: shout out to Robin McNamara
1: (laughs) (laughs) yep and um, she was one of those people that was not taking notes. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. but um,
0: She's a pro. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> sorry, I hear your indie team is really great. I have to see it.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a great group. We all love Next each other show, and we have great you know, chemistry.
0: I'm actually, I'm jealous. You guys are a great group. Like I want to kind of insert myself in there somewhere. <laughs> We'd
1: love to do a, a, a dual show. Yeah. You and be, us. And,
0: uh, <laughs> or can I just be the person that yells out suggestions on the side and and uh, like a who's line situation where I'll be like, oh, rewind.
1: <laughs> or yeah, better. whenever we ask for a uh, suggestion, we're like, uh, and all we need from Lisa is a one-word suggestion <laughs> of anything at all.
0: I'm over here.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> I'm full of suggestions. Let me tell you.
1: <laughs> One thing I want to ask you about, because you said, you know, you started writing. And uh, I mean, I imagine you did some writing before that, but were you writing songs before Pretty Sad White Girls?
0: Uh, Yes, but I was writing very vulnerable, serious, like breakup songs. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> um, I, I always sort of wrote poetry and I've mm-hmm. kept a journal since I was in sixth grade. So writing has been... Um, really therapeutic for me my entire life I just mm. I love doing it I love putting the pen to the paper and mm. seeing what comes out um, poetry has always been a passion and then I would try to write serious songs and I would look at them and be like this is the cheesiest thing that has ever come out <laughs> like I am just oozing with cheese and I couldn't believe that that even came out of me It was like it's like the most shame that I've ever felt rereading love lyrics <laughs> it's so weird um, so so obviously taking comedy classes at like UCB and I also took some at the magnet yeah. pit is where I took, but I discovered how you can kind of inject game into songs, mm. uh, which is like hitting something three times in a song, yeah. uh, just, or just calling something back.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, or keeping and a basic it. perspective.
0: Yeah, exactly. Wow. And so I learned that in sketch and I was like, this also very much applies to the progression of a song um it, it felt so much more natural and so much more enjoyable for me to write funny songs than it did to write serious songs and i would i still flip back in my notebooks and i look at those lyrics and i'm like oh my god i'm a love puppy like i'm so sad <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard for me to go back and read and think that it's any good at all but the comedy stuff is like second nature to me i i oh, am so happy to put there whereas if you were to be like lisa sing me one of your serious songs <laughs> i don't know maybe i would just to play around but uh
1: <laughs>
0: I, I, you have, have. i would come over there and just burn it
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i won't ask you to do it now um i'll i'll uh maybe ask to do it another on another occasion Because I just like wanting to hear uh, my pony. uh, Now I got to hear one (laughs) of these cheesy songs.
0: (laughs) Oh, maybe. But then you'd look at me. You'd be like, "Okay, Lisa, never asking you to do the podcast again." (laughs) No, I'm I'm just so embarrassed of it. So embarrassing. You know? Have you ever like written a love poem?
1: Oh no, I. I, If I went back and found some poetry from my teenage years, I would be. I would, it, I would cringe,
0: mortified, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: um,
0: and even not even love stuff like just any serious topic that I try to write about. I'm like, mm-hmm. it just.
1: It, well, that's the weird it, thing, it, though. Like, there are things that I could find from, you know, adulthood that I wrote and was sincere about yeah. at the time, and then look back on it. It's like I remember that making sense at the time, and everyone who responded to it, responded positively, and they engaged with it. So it's not embarrassing. But at the same time, why did I say that? <laughs> like, why did I, I?
0: know what was going through me. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, go I back to an I early know. Facebook post, and you'll go like, why did I talk that way?
0: <laughs> I know. But that's, that's all in our minds, too. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone else is thinking twice about yeah. the stuff we put out. Like if I were to put out a serious song, maybe someone might think it's brilliant. But we're, we're our worst
1: critic, you know? Oh, for sure. I've never heard anyone say about some movie that they made 20 years prior that they're like, you know, like a major motion picture that they cringe about, you know? Like, yeah, or like, why yeah. did I do that? Why did, I mean, I <laughs> guess I've heard like Stanley Kubrick would like tweak things, even like Years later. He would just like Uh do a little extra edit and sort of shave something off or something like that, which I think is interesting, but that's a little different than why did I even write that? Why did I even
0: say what was going through my brain in that moment? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I can understand saying, Ah, I know how to make that better now than I did then. But that's different.
0: That's that's sign of growth. I guess that's good. That's a
1: that's craftsman. That's being a better person at crafting.
0: Yeah, exactly. Your sculpt and your art. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to release a serious album. Maybe just like a five songs, have it be really musically interesting, mm-hmm. and have the lyrics be still weird because everything I, I write is weird. Um, <laughs> in a serious sort of mindful way, mm-hmm. maybe I could, I could do it, but even the thought makes me sweat <laughs> yeah
1: like <you're, laughs> yeah. I see you about the laugh just like saying just thinking about it <laughs> yeah
0: um but yeah no I I I think about this now of how I I've written my entire life and I really want to take it more seriously I've always wanted to be published I've always wanted to write a book I've, I have this idea of writing this p- parody self-help book because I'm really into all this hippie shit and crystals <laughs> I have a lot of friends who are like reliant on crystals and like this is funny uh this needs to be a book but um writing in general is something i i i think seriously writing seriously in general i want to be better about putting out there because i'm so okay with being silly and goofy and fun and lighthearted. um but there's another side that i think wants to come out too (laughs) that is a little scared yeah
1: i can hear that it's all a journey yeah it's all a journey uh, now we've gotten here. It's we're uh, deep into the episode. I guess we've now gotten to the end, even though it seems like we've only scratched the surface. But we've talked about a ton.
0: No, we've just begun. We're an yeah, hour right? and we have four more
1: hours to go. I thought this was embarrassing. <laughs> if only, uh, if only this were like I don't know, one of those podcasts where they talk for two, three hours, but. Um, (laughs) let's create something together. Now I, I would have asked, you know, like, what is that process of going from writing something serious and then in finding the way to do it humorously. But I guess some of that you'd learn just from going to take classes at improv theaters and comedy institutions. Um, so maybe what, since we talked about it so much about just dealing with fame, um, Maybe there's some sort of thing, a, a way we can create something involving that, like uh, a thought process to have to keep us grounded, or I don't know. What? Any ideas coming to your mind?
0: Yeah, um, just having chains. On your ankles at all times, just some kind of or like a weight, you know. You can, you know, you ever see those ladies walk down the street with like weights on their wrists and their ankles? That oh, yeah, I've
1: seen that. Yeah, yeah. Walking through the mall, people used to do that. Walking through the
0: mall. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do if I told you I was one of those mall ladies?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I am. Or like, let's see. You know, here's something too that I think one of the fun and and also interesting things about you, and maybe this is how we can create something too. Um, one of the fun things about you on your Instagram, you like to do the foot five.
0: I'm where, a foot five.
1: Right, which obviously not everybody can. No, not everyone is limber <laughs> enough to do a, a foot five. And for listeners, that it, it's pretty much what it sounds like. She
0: <laughs>
1: kicks her leg up. Uh, to high five level and can high five her her own foot. So and I high
0: five it. Yeah, and it, and g- it gives slap sound yes. in slow
1: motion. And it's a it's fun uh, yeah. and it's funny. But I think it's it's one of the things that is you know, intriguing and interesting about you. Not even just that, but all of the things that you're you're putting on your your Instagram. Okay. Uh, you know what
0: and, I do with that? Okay. I want to. Okay, so you know how there are influencers on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. I want to be a foot five. <laughs> I want to tag all the airlines and see if they'll fly me out to destinations where I can foot five in front of like the Taj Mahal
1: or like. That'd be so um, fun. Big Ben.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my <laughs> well, that's my goal. Yeah,
1: we got to get you viral. It's
0: the level of fame that I want.
1: <laughs> yeah, five, you know, it's all five. about your altitude, and it's not about being an Instagram star. It's just about foot fives
0: it's just about that slap (laughs) it's that perfect that's what it's all about
1: (laughs) so other than just because it's fun is that why you put things like that on your instagram like is it or is it part of a process
0: uh okay so the foot five for example (laughs) I think I did that two years ago and just thought it was so funny (laughs) I've had so many people come up to me be like Lisa I I love this new thing you're doing (laughs) people I barely talk to are hitting me up being like Lisa like whatever whatever's going on with you, this new shampoo, I don't know, the foot-fiving, mm-hmm. you are killing it right now. Uh, I, the foot-five is a sensation, so I want to I wanna just keep doing it. I don't know. I think it's the the slow-motion element, the release, the climax, the slap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then I really can't tell you why it's funny. I don't know. I, I just think it's funny, so I put it on my Instagram. <laughs>
1: Well, that, well it is you, really funny. People should follow it.
0: If you were to analyze it, what would you say?
1: I mean, I really, I I don't know if I could analyze it. Well, it just to me it was funny, and uh, it's it fits with your personality really well because um, <laughs> you're you're really like uh, expressive. Like I think the second time I saw you, um, you were like, hey, and you're just so expressive and nice, and it was like. <laughs> I was like, Robin, Lisa is the best. Like she's so nice, and uh, and it, just because like you're you're exuberant, you're exuberant is a, is a, that's a good word for it. And I feel like foot fiving is uh, part of that exuberance.
0: I do. I feel like I'm constantly trying to jump out of my skin, mm-hmm. and so it is definitely a reflection of how I feel inside. <laughs> it is a physical expression of what's always going on inside of me which is like wow <laughs> it's too much i need to calm down aziz i'm sorry i could have told you that yeah
1: after. that's true now so i mean i think one of the hangups for me at least and I, I can't say this is a hangup for most people but i do think it is getting out of a shell and uh, and staying out of that shell um because I, I feel like i can be reserved to a fault um so maybe you can give some good advice on how to just be you like what is the version you know whatever the uh lisa version of me is uh well that's not the way i mean to put it but i just mean like you know if you are exuberant what is exuberant to me like what is the thing (laughs) what is the equivalent for me or a listener Like once we find that, how do we get that out and keep it out?
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I think that intrinsically in everybody, there's something that makes you feel powerful when you do it. Mm -hmm, And hopefully it's it's not killing other people (laughs) or, you know, (laughs) doing anything terrible in the world. Hopefully that's not it. Right, right, right. Um, for example, with Pretty Sad White Girls and with writing music, it sort of feels powerful in a weird way for me. Mm-hmm. So I'd say for people listening and for you, my friend, anything that gives you like a surge of energy or that makes you feel powerful, um, that is the exuberance that maybe lies dormant in all of us. I think, do, does that make sense?
1: No, it makes complete sense. I mean, it would take me a little bit to think about what that thing is for me, but uh-huh. uh, trying to find it based on that I think is, is good. And then what makes,
0: what makes you feel, uh, this is so cliche again with all my cliches alive.
1: <laughs> um, I mean it is performing. Um, but I would, I really would have to think a little bit about like the specific of it, like the specifics of it to know what that thing is or like, it, cause it's not like as simple as like, well, I just like getting on stage. Like it's not that. It's, there's something about the expression that I'm getting to do.
0: Yeah. Also, I mean, it's, it's tricky, right? It's because Mm -hmm. a lot of my exuberance comes from other people as well. It's like Mm -hmm. a give and take. It's a reactionary Mm -hmm. thing. I notice that, you know, if I'm alone too much, I don't, I'm not as vibrant or bubbly. It's not, it's not really a second nature thing. I very much bounce off other people. Mm -hmm. So maybe... Your superpower or exuberance hmm. is also in exchange with other
1: people. That yeah, I could see that. And and if someone then can identify what their thing is, their exuberance is, what are the ways they can get over any hangups or speed bumps right. in like expressing that or being that?
0: Yeah, I struggle with this a lot. I feel like I have a lot of soulful conversations with people much wiser than I am about this sort of thing. But, um, I think getting over it is surrendering, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier is that you just, you really have to just get over it. Mm. <laughs> I don't think there's an answer other than it's a mental thing that you have to decide to get mm. over. Yeah. And then, and then once you decide everything in life is a decision. Mm. We forget that we have control over things. Um, and we forget that. Sometimes I feel very powerless and very like sad and, mm-hmm. and like, why, why today? <laughs> why at one o'clock do I feel this All way? Right. Like, oh, I can decide not to feel this way. I can just pull myself out of it. For some people it's not that easy. And also for me, it's not that easy. Mm. Um, I think that uh, you have to be really active in trying to find it and you can't just kind of wait for it to come to you. Does that answer the question?
1: Yes. Yes. There it is. <laughs>
0: it's very vague
1: but (laughs) no it's great and i love it and i uh i appreciate that advice and i hope it helps someone else
0: i hope so too did we create something
1: yeah that's it
0: that was it okay okay good
1: (laughs) that was it there it was
0: that was the assignment okay good
1: (laughs) thanks so much for being on the podcast
0: oh thank you for having me jason it was a pleasure
1: what a fun interview. Lisa's the best. She's, she's she's one of those people that you meet and then immediately she becomes one of your favorite people. Super talented. She's got a lot going on with Pretty Sad White Girls. They do have a show coming up at the Bitter End on July 14th. It's at 8 p.m. So if you are in the New York area, you can go check that out. And they have an album, a live album coming out. You mentioned that a little bit. It's coming out in August called We're Better Live. And uh, you can get that in August. And they also just got word that the script that they wrote about Pretty Sad White Girls or using that persona has been accepted into the New York City International Fringe Festival. So huge congratulations to them. And if you're going to be uh, seeing that in October going to the Fringe Festival, then you'll see that premiere. That's awesome. And also you can follow them at Pretty Sad White Girls on Instagram and Facebook. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Fun episode coming up next week. Don't forget you can check out the bearded ones this Sunday with yours at Truly. And uh, we're talking about the comedy bracket. You can go to at There It Is Pod on both Facebook and Twitter. Find that bracket. Also, just follow us, share us, like us, enjoy us. We certainly enjoyed having you here with us this week. We're going to be back next week with another fun episode, so do check that out. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.